Okay, welcome, welcome. Finance Friday, we're up and running. It's good to see you if you're tuning in this Friday. Um, I want to thank you for joining this week. I'm Jerry Feta. I'm the owner, founder, CEO of Wealth Dynamics. And every week I do a Finance Friday. This week is no different, but the purpose of this is to share financial education, right? Um, I grew up in a, in a world where I didn't have financial education. My family didn't have a financial education. And so I grew up struggling and I grew up watching my family struggle. And I think that that's something a lot of us can relate to. So as I started learning about money, I realized that there's two sides to it, right? There is the, I call it retail financial consumerism, right? Like buying financial products and services that were created in a boardroom by people who want to make maximum profit. And, and, and that's one way to do it. The mutual funds, the, the stocks, the bonds, the 401ks, right? I was actually a financial advisor for a while and I learned about those things. And then I started realizing that that's not what the wealthy have done, right? When you study the top 1% historically, right? These aren't the things they're doing. They're not using the 401ks. They're not putting their money in, in bank accounts. They're not buying mutual funds, right? They're not doing retirement. Okay. And so I started studying what do the wealthy do? And I realized that most of them are doing a handful of the same things, Right. There's nine or 10 main strategies out there that the top one percent of wealth have used throughout history that still exist today. Yet most of us are not being taught about these things. Right. So if you've never seen my content before, I want to let you know I'm a pretty simple guy. I look at, OK, if it's working for someone that's successful and I mimic it, it's probably going to give me similar similar results, even if I don't do it quite as well as they did. Right. So I spent a lot of time studying these things and learning about them. And I saw instantaneous results in my finances, right? Improvements that I thought would never happen or things that would take years. And it was because I switched my viewpoint. I switched the way that I look at money and wealth. I looked at wealth as abundance and prosperity in all areas of my life, right? It's quality of life for myself, for my loved ones, for the world around me, right? Now, I also look at money as a simple, it's a resource, it's a tool, right? It's a tool and I can use it for things. I can build things with it. I can also destroy things with it. And so I decided, okay, I want to study how the people that I've seen in history that do have a life of abundance and prosperity in all areas, that did achieve improved quality of life for themselves, for others, or for the, the, the ones they love in the world around them, right? I want to see what did they do? How did they behave with this tool called money? Right. And so that's what I'm going to be sharing with you this evening. Now, on tonight's Finance Friday, I'm actually getting ready to do a real estate investment. And I want to break this down for you and actually give you, um, you know, some specifics on the strategy I'm using, because I'm not doing it the way you would traditionally think when you hear, oh, someone's going to invest in real estate. OK, so the first thing I want to share with you, right, when I say investing in real estate, I do not mean like inside of a, a real estate investment trust or a mutual fund or even a rental property, right? If I'm buying shares of someone's real estate fund, I'm not investing in real estate, right? I've learned that though, that one the hard way before. Okay. That was actually one of the only ways I've lost money was investing in someone else's fund, right? A fund is someone's business. So I'm actually buying shares in their business venture. And they're in the business of buying real estate. I'm not actually buying the real estate. They are. I'm investing in them. So the question is, well, how much do I trust them? Right? How much do I know about them? How good of a manager are they? How good of a financier are they? How honest are they? What's their integrity, integrity like? 
And, and I can't learn that from, you know, even if you're watching me on this video, you can't learn that about me from a video, right? If I'm out here touting, oh, invest in my fund, which I'm not because I don't do funds, right? But if I was, it's very hard for you to tell, is this guy legit, right? So I, I got scammed on investing in a fund. I will never do that again, right? And the reason I did a fund is because I was trying to avoid rental properties, Right. I knew that the wealthy have made money with real estate. And I was like, how do I do that? I want to get involved in real estate, but I didn't want to be a landlord. Right. I didn't want to be somebody that that has to, you know, manage tenants or manage property managers or, you know, work on 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 houses and fix them up and paint them or collect rent when it's not due. I don't want that. Right. So I started to to really look at this and I was like, okay, what what are the wealthiest people doing in real estate? When I say people, that includes groups, right? And so I'm going to draw this out for you, right? So when you look at this, there's a couple of different natural lines, right? There is number one, what I call the retail investor. What are they doing? They're doing investments in funds, right? They're investing in a fund, whether it's a Wall Street fund or a private fund, right? This is someone that says, I don't want to own real estate. I would rather own shares of what someone else is doing. Therefore, I'm going to give them my money and hope they do a good job with it. Sometimes they might, sometimes they might not. But with a fund, you know, you're going to be paying fees. You're going to be uh, at the mercy of someone else's integrity with their business, their financial transparency, right? So that's the first level of investing. The second is rentals, right? And I don't want that. This is called active investing. This is not passive right? This is not, you know, I'm hands off. It's I'm actually pretty hands on and I can get more hands on depending on what happens. There's a higher degree of risk with rental investing, right? You've got the risk of the tenant, the property, because you're the owner, there's liability there. You may have a mortgage, there's risk involved in that, right? So this is higher risk, higher involvement, and that's not something I'm interested in. You see, if you're watching this right now and you're like me, You've got a family, you've got a career, you've got a life. You're not looking to be a full-time investor. You're not interested in trading more time for money. You're already doing that and you're like, I'm trying to find the way out of that actually, right? So I wasn't interested in rentals. So I started looking at this and I was like, okay, well, how do I, how do, I do this like the wealthy? And I looked at who are the wealthy and I realized the wealthy are the banks, right? What are the banks doing? The banks are doing mortgages, Right now, here's the thing, right? The banks are doing mortgages and they're doing it a little bit different than I'm going to describe to you tonight. Okay. This is the way that you can invest in real estate. I can invest in real estate and be the bank without taking on the risk of the bank, right? Because a traditional mortgage, let's look at what happens here, right? In a traditional mortgage, you have several parties, right? So you have this guy here. He's got the money. Initially, this is the depositor, right? So the depositor, he puts the money in the bank, right? So you've got the banker here. And what is he doing? He is borrowing from the depositor. He's going to pay the depositor interest for that deposit. And then he's going to take this money that's been deposited, and he is going to loan this out to the borrower. Right, the borrower is over here. And so he's getting a loan from the bank. 
Okay. So here's, here's where it's different. If you're wanting to be the banker, like I'm talking about here, you're not borrowing other people's deposits, right? Unless you're running a fund, right? Nobody's going to be like, Hey, let me loan you my money, go buy real estate with it and, and pay me a small percentage. And, and I need the money back when I need it back. That's not the, the activity you're going to be doing there. Right now, the other risk here that the bank is involved in is what if this borrower doesn't pay the loan back, right? The bank is on the hook for this guy's money. He's not getting it back from this guy. The bank can foreclose, right? Take the property back from this dude if he has a mortgage. The bank has insurance as well, right? These are things that you may or may not have in place. But I can tell you one thing about foreclosure is they're not fast, right? It's not like next week you're going to have your money back. So there's a degree of risk here. Right. So I don't want to borrow from a depositor and I don't want to necessarily lend money to someone and hope that they pay me back because I don't have the same credit checking and financial underwriting and insurances and protections that a bank might have. Right. So here's what I'm doing instead. Right. And this is going to be the similar concepts to what a bank is doing. Right. But instead, I'm going to reduce my risk here. So check this out. This is me, right? I've got money and I'm the depositor, okay? Now, the thing is, when I deposit money in the bank, it's gonna be my bank. It's not gonna be someone else's bank. So I'm the depositor depositing money in the bank of Jerry, okay? So I am also then, the banker, right? As a banker, what am I doing? I'm borrowing against my deposit, right? It goes in, I'm going to borrow against it. I'm going to pay a percentage, right? And, and that's that, okay? So, so the depositor makes money on the deposit. That's me. I'm going to show you how I'm accomplishing this in a second. The banker makes money by borrowing against the deposit and he's going to pay interest for borrowing it, right? Now, the banker is then going to lend it to the borrower, Right now, in this case, also me, 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 right? So I'm the depositor. I'm putting money in my own banking system. We're going to talk about this in a second. Now, as the banker, different hat, no longer the depositor. A banker has a different job than a depositor. Their jobs are actually quite the opposite, right? As a banker, I'm borrowing against the deposit. Now, I'm also the borrower. Why would a borrower borrow money? If you're smart, you borrow money only to make money, right? So the borrower is then going to take the money out and invest it. And in this case, we're going to invest it in real estate. Okay, I want to talk about this whole thing because I'm going to be doing about three homes and I want to show you the specifics here, right? So let's talk about this first. Found the depositor. Like we already deposit money. If you're watching this and you're not depositing money, you're not you know, paying yourself first you're not wearing one of your hats financially, right? You will never build your own economy if you don't start depositing money into your own banking system. What does an economy have? It has a bank, it has a banking system. It's one of the fundamental things behind an economy, right? Now, the bank, why is this my bank? So I am using what I call the sacred account. I'm using the sacred account, 
I'm putting money into it, right? And what happens here is when I put money in the sacred account, my deposit grows at usually about 3%, 4% guaranteed interest, right? That's my, my guaranteed interest rate on my deposit. Now, this is through an insurance policy. This is called high early cash value. Dividends. This is a super long name, I know. Paying whole life insurance. Okay, can you see why I call it the sacred account? That's a really long name. Now, before you go Dave Ramsey on me, before you go Sue Zorman on me in life insurance, you're never supposed to do that. I want you to fact check me on this. I want you to go Google bank owned life insurance. You will see that the banks that you deposit your money into are the number one owners and purchasers of whole life insurance on the planet. So when you deposit your money into someone else's bank, okay, because Bank of America is not your bank. Wells Fargo is not your bank. JP Morgan is not your bank. Those are for-profit institutions who borrow against your money, put it at risk, and pay you little to nothing, right? So you're putting it in their financial system, not your financial system. You're helping them create their economy, not your economy. You see that, right? So they're putting it in the life insurance. You're giving it to them, and they're putting it in the life insurance. Okay, so track my logic here. Why not just cut them out? If that's what they're going to do, why don't you go do the thing they're going to do with it? Right? So they're putting it in the life insurance instead of them putting it in their life insurance because you gave it to them first, put it in your own life insurance. Okay? Now, why would you put it in life insurance? Because this is going to grow between the interest you get on the guaranteed money here and then the dividends you get because the insurance companies you're going to use on this will pay you a percentage of their profits. You're going to make on average about a 3 to 5% tax-free annual growth rate. Okay? On average, right? Now, when you borrow, you will pay interest to borrow, right? You're the banker. Bankers pay interest to borrow. So you're going to pay, if you do this correctly, you should be paying about 2 to 4% right now in interest costs, right? So you want to be basically earning 3 to 5 on your deposit, paying 2 to 4 in interest, and then you're going to loan this money out to yourself and invest in real estate where you are making 10 to 12%, Right? So let's do the math here on the high end. Let's say you have a good year. Your real estate does 12. While you're using this money, it still grows. You're still making 5% over here. So it's 17. And let's say you're paying the least amount of interest possible, right? So 17, and then you're costing yourself 2% there. What's 17 minus 2? It's 15, right? So I'm depositing the money in. I'm getting this growth, borrowing against it, getting this growth, and double dipping. I get both of them. Right now, there's a lot to learn here. This concept is something I've been practicing for years. It's very simple, but don't feel like, okay, you see it once and automatically you know everything there is. Right? It's just like driving a specially designed vehicle. If you're driving a supercar, you need some training. Right? You need someone to coach you and walk you through it first. So if you're seeing this and you're like, I like the concept, I don't fully get it, we're not going to have time to go into the whole thing here. But if you reach out to my team, we can definitely get you more info. Right? Now, let's talk about the real estate, okay? Because this is the real beauty of the strategy. If you do the life insurance and you just deposit money there and leave it, right? Not much is going to happen for you, right? You're not going to see much of anything occur. You're going to be like, okay, I, I own life insurance and it grows 
at about the same rate that a high yield savings account would pay me right now. Okay. If you don't use it, meaning you can't just be the depositor, you have to be the banker. You need to borrow against that deposit and loan it out to yourself and put that money to work. That's how you make the system profitable, right? So I'm going to show you what I'm about to do. This is something I'm, I'm literally getting prepped for. Uh, I have what's called seller finance real estate, right? Seller finance real estate, okay? So here's how this works. We did this whole thing, the depositor. I put the money into my banking system. I then borrow against it, loan it back out to myself. I'm the borrower here. Let me clean up my borrower. Okay, I'm the borrower here. Okay, it says the borrower, I have money right now. I've got cash. What do I do with it next? Okay, and I want to go back to, again, what do banks do? Okay, banks are not buying rental properties. Banks are not putting money in a retirement account. Banks are not sticking money in their own savings account. That's not something they're going to do. They're, they're in the business of loaning money out. And one of their number one things they do is mortgages, right? I want to be in the business of mortgages. This is the most passive and scalable means of investing in real estate that's out there. Okay. Now I don't want to do it from a risky standpoint. I don't want to loan money to, to a family and hope they pay me back and then have to figure out how to get it back from if they don't. I don't want to loan money to a private fund and hope they pay me back and then figure out how to get it back from them if they don't. I've done that before. It's not the direction I want to go. It's not the direction you want to go. Okay. So what am I going to do instead? How do I solve this problem? Okay. Seller finance real estate looks like this. Okay. So I'm the borrower. I am going to purchase three homes. Okay. I'm going to purchase three homes. Now, Couple things about these homes. These are either going to be distressed rentals, foreclosures, and they're also going to be wholesale. Not wholesaling like you're you're using contracts to assign from one per person to the other in a transaction. Like you're buying in bulk, right? So I work with a company that, that does this. This is my group that I work with that does the investing side. They will find my properties for me, right? They're going to look at distressed rental portfolios or foreclosures from banks, and they're going to buy wholesale in bulk, right? What that means is I'm going to be paying anywhere from $40,000 to $60,000 per home, right? So three homes, it's about $150,000. Right. So the company that I work with on this, they're going to fix the homes up. Okay. They're going to do what's called minimal essential repairs to make the homes sellable. They're going to clean them up, fix them up. We're not doing better homes and garden, you know, extreme makeover kind of stuff. We're literally making sure it just passes the inspection. Right. They're then going to put a family in. So, number one, they're going to fix up homes. Number one, actually, they're going to find the homes. But once they find them, they're going to acquire them and fix them up. Number two, they're going to find a family. They're going to put that family on, number three, a land contract. Contract. This is a mortgage between me and the family that lives there. Now, this is the beauty of this strategy. I'm not loaning this family money. 
I own an asset and I'm allowing them to live there and they're going to make mortgage payments to me to live there. It's kind of like rent to own, right? So I'm going to charge 12% per year on each of these homes. And I'm going to do that over 20 years, right? Now, here's the other thing. Because I fixed them up a bit, I'm going to sell them for more than I paid. I'm going to sell for typically an additional 20 to 30% above what I paid. So if I bought them, you know, let's say for 50,000, right? I might sell them for 65 to the family. And I'm going to charge 12% on 65,000 instead of 50. So instantly there, I just got, you know, a 30% equity gain immediately. And I'm earning 12% per year on that equity gain, right? That's very cool. So on three homes, I'm probably going to be making... Um, you know, probably around $1,500 to maybe $2,000 a month, somewhere in that range. Let's call it $1,500 a month, right? And that's going to pay me passively, right? So if I'm making, you know, 12% on each of these and my money in my sacred account is growing at 3 to 5% per year on top of that, right? I'm making quite a bit more than if I just did the real estate. It's costing me none of my time. I'm at no risk. If the family moves out, I still own the house, right? I move them out of it as well. Now, the other thing here is each of these homes is owned with two layers of trusts, right? There's a land trust and a personal property trust, right? That makes, makes it to where I'm anonymous. I'm protected, right? You can have the trust owned by an LLC if you wanted to. You can own it in an IRA, a 401k. There's many ways to do this, right? But what's happening is this $1,500 per month that I'm making, it's now passive income. It's truly passive. I'm not working for it. Nobody's going to call me to fix stuff, right? The company I work with that the family doesn't pay, they handle the evictions, the foreclosures, putting a new family in the whole nine yards, right? I'm going to take this $1,500 a month and I'm going to pay my loan back to my banking system. And it's going to start to snowball because I'm still the depositor. This money's still growing at 3 to 5%. Plus, I'm paying this into it and replenishing my savings, so I'm going to be putting money in the front end and the back end, and it's growing while it happens, right? Every 50, you know, 40, 50, 60,000, I've got enough for another house, right? So think about this. How long does it take if you continue saving at the rate you're saving, plus you've got an extra 1500 a month coming in, plus the money you use in the first place is still growing, right? You build it up and you get a fourth home, you get a fifth home, you get a sixth home, and you start to build a portfolio of cash flowing real estate, just like a bank does. Okay. However, the beauty of this is I'm going to be the depositor. I'm going to be the banker. I'm going to be the borrower. I'm going to be the banker again, because I'm lo loaning the money out for property, right? And I'm the shareholder. And what do I mean by that? The insurance company that you're going to use to set this up is going to make you an owner in the company. It's called a mutual insurance company. So in a bank, the banker is the banker, but the shareholders own the bank. They earn dividends off of the profits generated by the bank. If I'm a shareholder in the life insurance company, I earn dividends based on the profit of the life insurance company as well. Okay, so if you're watching this, you want to learn more about this, I want to give you a free copy of my book. It's called Blueprint to Financial Freedom, right? And I've got an entire chapter dedicated to both of these things right? The life insurance, the sacred account, and also the seller finance concept. So if you go to www.theblueprint2financial.com,
www.thefreedom.com. You can get a free copy of my book there, right? That's www.theblueprinttofinancialfreedom.com, okay? And that's where you can start to learn more about this. And if you're interested, you know, grab the book, read it, check it out, see if this is for you. If it is, reach out to my team, get more information, right? This is something we can help you do the same thing with on the life insurance side, on the investing side, so you can start to build your own banking business as well. That's all I got for you this Friday. Thank you for watching. Like, share, subscribe. I'll see you next time.